this is Dr. Dina Dye and my co-host somewhere out there in the land of Washington. We are uh, Jeff Morton. Are you there? I am. Hi, hi, Dina. Calling. Are you there? Yeah. Hi, Dina. How are you? I'm doing well. So this is returning to Eden and your favorite two people I know. We're going to be sharing a little bit about the kingdom, picking up what we talked about last week. But before we get to that, we have some little housekeeping. We want to share a couple of things. Uh, I'll get to you, Jeff, in just a second. I just let the folks know I just was in Amarillo for the last five days. I did a conference over at Life of Worship. Uh, it's a congregation there in Amarillo. And then I spent two days in the studios of Israel TV Network filming a brand new series. And actually, the series has everything to do with what I've been talking about the last couple of weeks in John. So. Uh, it's called The Kingdom in John's Gospel. And the goal was to go through all of the chapters of John, not every single verse, but to show people where there's kingdom language and where there's uh, language of Yeshua being the king, because I think we really do miss a lot of that. So um, I was fairly brain dead after two, two days, solid. But I think these shows are going to be really good. They'll be on Israel TV Network. If, uh, if you don't have that, you can go on their website. It's IsraelTVNetwork.com. You can also, uh, they're on Roku. And uh, I think this series will start airing the first week in January. So, and, and I'll probably be, you know, talking a little bit about that as we go through tonight. Uh, Jeff has been extremely busy. He is a wanted man. He's had a number of interviews in the last week. Two. And, uh, yeah, I was hoping maybe you'd share just a little bit about the interview you had this morning with my two favorite people, Deborah Weil and Keisha Gallagher. So, uh, there is there a program called Renewed? Yeah, it's Renewed. Yeah. Uh, and it comes on Wednesday mornings. It was a live, live broadcast, two hours. <clears throat> two hours, and... Uh, I did another interview with uh, um, a woman who who was in my hometown of Rochester, New York, and that was on Monday night. We did a 30-minute uh, taped interview, which airs uh, apparently on Saturday uh, on her show, Bagels and uh, Blessings. And so, um, and it, this all this comes out of the the little short video that I did on uh, that I posted on Facebook a couple, about a week ago. <clears throat> so a lot of women have seen that, and they've said, well, can, we want to hear more, and, and I'm delighted to go do this kind of stuff. And The thing I enjoyed about the interview this morning was two hours of me being allowed to kind of share what people typically don't hear uh, in our 30-minute window about how I, how I see things. And so that was really, really cool. And, of course, the two ladies were wonderful and very warm and gracious, and I just really, really appreciated the invitation. It was great. We had a great time. Oh, well, that's great, yeah. I, I've been on that show myself. I love Deborah and Keisha, and they're just fun to do an interview with. It's really easy, and and, uh, and it's great, you know, two hours, and it goes by fast. You know, you think, oh, my gosh, two hours. It uh, flies by. But I wanted you, if you wouldn't mind, just to sort of hit the high points of the interview that you, well, that you did yourself, that you posted on, on Facebook that, you know, it drew a lot of attention and, especially for ladies. Can you just give us a couple of, of the high points? Uh, yeah, it's, you know, I, I, I've read a couple books and had a, an epiphany and an experience with the father in 2011. And, uh, you know, he just kind of showed me how he sees women. 
and it's not like we see women. It's nothing like how we have been morbidly trained to understand our roles. And so in, in, in the world of men out in the field with the beast, it's more about <clears throat> position and power instead of function and purpose. And uh, so position and power has been uh, the battle that women have had to fight for centuries, for millennium. And so I basically, I, I've explored all of this. I looked at some of the uh, atrocities and things that have happened in various centuries to women. Um, and I just began to realize that, you know, we don't understand that um, what I said this morning on the program, I said, is if you, if you take a, a seed and you put it into dirt, it, it both needs water. And once the water is poured onto the process, life comes out of it. And I said the same thing with a, a man, the male seed, if you will, into the woman produces a child, but it all happens in the woman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so my, my point is not to put, you know, I like I said this morning, if you approach me and say, well, it sounds like you're putting women over men. If you if you say that to me, I'm not going to tell you what I'm thinking of you at that moment right. in time. Okay? Right. It's not good. Right. It's about function and purpose. All of creation, when the two become one, life is produced. And the bottom line is all about life. And so where a male and a, a man and a woman come together, they complement that whole process. It, it's not one's in other words, women were not an afterthought. They are an integral part of the purpose for life. Absolutely. And uh, and that's that's kind of the heart of that particular message, and we got to talk about that this morning. So. Well, that's cool. Well, and really, when you think about the Bible, and I, people don't really recognize the terminology, but the temple itself, or the, the place of the presence of God, the tabernacle, whatever, where he dwells in the midst of his people is always feminine. Right. The house is a woman. The house is feminine. And right. and it, we extend that a little farther. The kingdom is feminine. Malkut, right. Shemaim, it's feminine. It's a woman. And, and you know, when I, when I go around and teach, uh, oftentimes most of my audience is women. I mean, there are men there. But uh, I'll tell you, as soon as I start talking, women just instinctively are drawn to it. It's things they've been thinking about and processing, maybe they haven't been able to put it into words, but as soon as I start talking about it, it just clicks, and they just engage, and, and that happens almost everywhere I go. So it, It's confirming for them. So imagine those same women hearing a black kid from the ghettos of Rochester, New York, echoing the same sentiment. Amen. And, uh, uh, you, know, and then I, I, you know, I do mention, too, that, you know, the reason why you don't hear about the fathers and the men who take care of their wives and take care of their children is because they're taking care of their wives and they take care of their children. Right. And they're being that catalyst that brings forth life. So we're not as popular in the world of men, right. but we are in the world of men. And I want to make sure that that comes across because those of us who have learned the process to be responsible and obligated to the covenant of marriage and to our wives and to our children. We're too busy honoring that than to go out here and, and do the stupid stuff. The problem is in our society today, much like the society when Messiah was here, 
and also the society, the society of, of Abraham. It's broken down so much that the, the, the identity of both the man and the woman is so blurred mm -hmm. that just about anything goes. And that's the problem. And unfortunately, that problem is a lot larger today. So it makes people like me, who honor the things of God, a little obscure. But, like you said a few shows ago, we're the ones holding it all together. Right, right. The believers are the continuity. Yes. And so I don't want to. I don't want to say the things that I say about women uh, and men to be one-sided. In other words. Right. I don't want to explain the theology and the doctrine of the last 5,000 years because it's all bent wrong and crazy and stupid anyway. Yeah. Because it doesn't deal with function and purpose and the very reason we're here in the first place. It's about power and position, and you can't take my position away from me because of what she does. It just gets stupid like children in a playpen who, who don't see the danger. Yeah. That's really what it's like. Well, it's, and it's difficult. I mean, we are just such a product of the last 300 years, age of enlightenment, the age of reason, and everything kind of went south when we separated religion, and I don't like to use the word, but religion and science. And science was exalted, and that's our God, science. So when it, we go back to the Bible, it's just hard to look at it from their perspective. And I it, especially, I've been really puzzling over this because, we see it in Genesis and we see it in John, and I, you know, I can't really get a good grasp on it. That in Genesis chapter two, verse one, it it talks about thus the heavens were completed in all their host. And we I've talked about how that word completed is actually call uh, kala the bride. And then a few verses down, it says these are the toldot or the generations of the heavens and the earth. And that word for toldot is these are the children born of the heavens and the earth. So the heaven and the heavens and the earth are kind of the basic model for male and female coming together, but that's a hard, that seems so esoteric and so, you know, outside the box to think of heaven as male and the earth as female coming together and producing life. Like I'm, ha you know, I'm still, I'm still trying to puzzle over those concepts because the exact same concept comes to bear. I talked about it last time in the book of John when we get to uh, John chapter 2, 1, and we have the wedding in Galilee. Mm -hmm. And I, I shared some of this in, in the, uh, the recording with Israel TV Network that it's interesting because the picture of we have of Yeshua, typically in the book of John, he goes from the Galilee to the temple and back. That's and Galilee, the root is means circuit. So he's making a circuit between the temple, which represented heaven, and the Galilee, which represented earth. So mm -hmm. this circuit. But then where does the wedding take place? The wedding takes place in the Galilee on earth. Mm -hmm. And this whole language in John chapter 2 of, the, of this wonderful picture of the wedding. And Yeshua is basically the one bringing the two spheres together you know heaven and earth because he's a he's a temple picture so like i said i'm it's the it's the backdrop of the bible and it's in everything but it really is rather puzzling do you know what i mean well it's puzzling if we and i i, I don't know that i necessarily agree with you about puzzling because it's as plain as the driven snow to me insofar as 
if we get out of a chronological mind, and if we get out of this esoteric, you use the word esoteric, I call it abstract, imagination of how things were and just really look at how things were, if you want it, you can put together a car, but until you put the gas in, it's not going to go. I mean, it's the same process. It's the same thing over and over and over again of how the two become one. And when the two become one, something is produced, something happens. But in the scheme of how God designed everything, that always means life. Right. Always means life. And so for me, it's kind of like um, when the Messiah was, you know, Ryan said something so profound to me. We see Jesus kind of Yeshua tiptoeing through the tulips and spreading the good news. When actually what he's doing is he's making a circuit between heaven and earth to restore right. life, to yeah. restore freedom, to restore all things. He's putting in place everything that's needed for that to go forward. He's on a mission. And that to me is, um, he's not just bending down and writing in the dirt or rubbing dirt right. in some guy's eyes. He's actually putting in place the statutes and the commandments and the laws by which the government of God, the kingdom of God, is going to operate in the earth. He's like, it's like he's um, a purveyor, putting everything in its place for the building, the rebuilding, renewing of everything that was lost uh, many, many years earlier. I just, I just see it so differently. It's yeah. like, but I see it. Well, that's, and that's our goal with this program is to help, you know, it's not, these are not concepts people are familiar with. They're not used to. I mean, this is certainly not anything that's taught in the church. So, and we're trying to come at this staying away from the, the doctrine and the theology that keeps us in a box, but just to look at it from the, the perspective in which it was written, at the time it was written, the language it was written, and to, to just, again, we've talked about kingdom government. But this, mm -hmm. this pattern that we see, of, I, this, is, this just fascinated me you know, as I was studying John to see <clears throat> he was consistently going in this circuit that I was talking about in order to bring the two spheres together because mm -hmm. that was the purpose of a temple was to bring it was the this this the connecting point to bring two spheres together so that's what he did at this wedding and so at this wedding in Cana this was so he would be glorified that means that he was this is basically his coronation he was from that point he was going to step out continue on in the book of John in his role as king and what's so interesting is that chapter, chapter 2, think he has been, at this point at the wedding, he has been given the authority to rule as king. And mm -hmm. what is the first thing he does after that? He goes back to the temple and he drives out the money changers and all the commercial enterprise that's going on there because he is taking authority over that sphere. And mm -hmm. he's doing it in his position as king. Can you imagine what, and, and in his position as king, he is the one that can say, destroy this temple. Or basically that concept of destruction means to lose authority. 
So he is removing the authority of the temple leadership who have corrupted it, and he is bringing in his own authority. And that's why the book of John is just this... Every chapter he's going to the temple practically because he has, he has that authority. And it's um, something just struck me about that whole thing while they're cleaning up the temple and doing all of these things. Uh, we don't we we see him as um, we don't see him in the role of king or in the role of the the soon to be crowned king. We see him as this soft-spoken, right. uh, almost like a beatnik hippie type guy, which. Yeah. You know, we see that in love. And, yeah. <laughs> and we we don't see him as he is. And that's the whole that was the whole point of my right. teaching with John. He mm -hmm. is the king. And and one I'm not gonna go into this now, but I would suggest that his entire life, from the time he was born until he was resurrected from the dead and seated at the right hand, is a process of coronation. So when you had a coronation or enthronement, it wasn't like you just anointed the guy and voila, he's king. There, were, there was a process and there was a five stages that it went through. And so I would suggest that his, each stage of his life, his, his birth, his immersion, uh, this event at the wedding, you know, his crucifixion, his resurrection were all a pro part of the process of the enthronement ceremony. You know, something else just occurred to me because, as I mentioned last week, you know, all those temples that were dotted all over the world back in his day and before, the, the only God that was in there was the one that somebody went in there and told you was in there because there really was no God. <clears throat> but in, uh, in the case of our Messiah, he came out of one of those buildings, <laughs> you know, and he came out and did the work required in order for him to prove himself king over all of the earth. Right. Everything he, he did proved. Yes, that's what he's doing. He's he, he's he, and he's mocking the rulers of the world while he does all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. and 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 I used I remember years ago when I was reading the Book of John and I went it was when I was learning about ancient Near East covenant treaty language. I saw John was really the announcer. He's like this. He's like the person that's been appointed to give an account of what the king is doing in preparation right. for the, he is the hero. nation. Yes. Yeah. And and people sit here and they go, "Well, John's gospel is so different." Well, it's not really a gospel. It's, a, it's an announcement. It's how Yeshua became king. Yes, he's and the going other gospels, to yeah, the, the other gospels don't really address it. You know, they're more eyewitness accounts. This is the gospel of kingship. Yes. Yeah. You know, well, I, interesting. I wonder, Dina, how many of the Jewish people in that day got this because they didn't understand Western theology. They didn't understand the doctrines that we we have. So they had to rely on Ezekiel and Jeremiah and all of the you know, all the lunacy that was going on, they had to filter through all of that. So they saw the kings elevated. Mm -hmm. They saw Hezekiah elevated. They saw King David elevated. They saw Solomon. So this would have been kind of normal protocol. So when they see Yeshua doing what Samuel, Samuel, David, Hezekiah, all, when they actually see him doing it, and then he rises up out of the grave, 
that must have been mind-blowing for all of them because they see him implementing the kingdom and doing what needs to be done. John records that very, very well, and particularly going through the days, the days of coronation, well, they which had, is what you talked about. They had a about. decision to make because they knew, the one thing they did understand is that all kings had the title Son of God. Every king in the ancient world had that title. So who is the Son of God currently ruling the world? It's Caesar. One of Caesar's titles would have been Son of God. Mm -hmm. And then you have this dialogue in John chapter 1 with Nathaniel and Philip. And when at the, at the end of it, you know, the heavens open and we see angels ascending and descending and all that. And Nathaniel sitting under the fig tree, which is king, kingdom language as well. But he says to Yeshua, now this declaration... We just kind of read and go, oh, okay. But this is a declaration saying, Caesar, you are not the king mm. and the son of God. He turns mm. to Yeshua and says, you are Ben Elohim. You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel, not Caesar or Herod or the temple leadership. That would have been dramatic. I mean, the guy could have been arrested. Well, yeah, it was life-threatening life what It he was life-threatening to make that declaration. Mm-hmm. And we just, you're like, okay, you are the Son of God. We, we don't even have a concept. So Yeshua allowing himself to be called the Son of God, he's given himself a title. I mean, he is going head-to-head -head with Caesar, the most powerful king on the planet. And they are, you know, it's like, okay, which Son of God are you going to follow? Yeah, you know, that, that, that has always been, are you going to follow life? Or the loss of life. Which mm -hmm. one? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's only... an interesting situation that, that people are put in because we, we have that choice to make almost all the time. And here they're sitting there looking at the Mashiach. Uh, you know, how do you not make that choice unless you're so deceived and so lost in the, in the field that it's just a conversation that you would have on... Uh, uh, the view. But that's what we see now. I mean, there's only two. The, you, you, it's either the ruler of this world, which we call Hasatan, Serpent, whatever, but the ruler of this world had that title, or there's right. the ruler of the kingdom. And there's no middle ground here. You are serving one or the other. Right. And one is the ruler that leads to death, and the other is the ruler that leads to life. Can you go back um, for the audience member who wasn't listening last week? how the days are mentioned in the book of John, John 1, oh, okay. uh, in, in, in regards to even Genesis 1. Because I yes. think that that's, that's one of those aha moments that you just can't, you can't talk enough about it. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's quite remarkable. And day I mean, one, day two. don't have a whole lot of time. You know, I know, but, but it's... Just, so just to say, John 1 parallels, mirrors Genesis 1. Just mm -hmm. kind of put that in your in your head, and because both of them start with the exact same expression. Genesis begins in the beginning, Bereshit, and a reminder that in the beginning doesn't mean a chronology, but it means right. a house. And we see the same thing in the book of John, in the beginning. So that, in a sense, is what we would call day one. Day one in Genesis, day one in, um, in John. Now, Genesis will take us through the six days of house building, to the seventh day in Genesis chapter 2. 
we actually skip a few of the days in John. But the days in John that are mentioned, day two, day three, and day four, match what's being created in Genesis, day two, day three, day four. So day two, water, day three, land coming forth, day four, the, the uh, luminaries in the heavens. So that's similar. But So if you, uh, if you go through John chapter one, we'll say one one is day one. And then if you go down to verse 29, uh, it will say the next day. And then we have uh, elements of immersion in water, which is interesting. And then you go to uh, John 1.35, and it will say again the next day. So now we're on day three. And you go down a few more verses to 43, and it will say the next day. So now we're on day four. And at the that'll take us through John chapter one, and as we come into John chapter two, it will say some translations say in two more days or some on the third day, but it's the third day from the fourth day, so that's seven days, and we have a wedding, just mm -hmm. the same way in Genesis chapter two verse one we have a wedding, so that is the parallel the the creation of the house, the kingdom, and the house is made so that the king can sit on the throne and rule over the kingdom. So that's You know what's what's interesting, um, because I know when we're talking about the creation event, uh, in the book of Leviticus chapter 4 and I think chapter 19, it talks about how it outlines what the wife has to be for the priest or the king. Mm -hmm. and so we see the introduction, the protocol, what is expected or at least desired. And then in, in the Genesis story... We see Eve, because according to the kingdom code, he has to be married. And then we see in John, a wedding. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. we see all these elements all having to do with, in order for you to meet the way the Father has set it up, here, here's the, the event, here's the wife, and here's the throne. Right. Well, and cool. if you think, too, that if the temple is a picture of the woman, the womb of a woman, what does Yeshua call himself? The word, the seed of God. The, the, this, uh, the word is the seed, whatever. The seed is the word of God. So the seed is planted in the, the Holy of Holies. That's the inner chamber. That's, that's like a picture of the, of the woman's Consummation, yeah. Where like, yeah, where life is going to come forth. And that's exactly the picture we have. Yeshua's coming forth as the Son of God, that's his title from the oracle of God, from the Holy of Holies, as the seed that, that's going to form into the Son to become the king. And the very, the, the very activity of humanity repeats that over and over and over again un until you get to our generation. It's kind of going sideways. But well, I know, and this is, this is what's so frightening. Frightening, is that, yeah. You know, most of human history kind of got it, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a man and there's a woman, you know, and they produce life. And we have reached a point, I mean, we, this is so aberrant and yep. so, this is corruption on steroids of the, you know, of the original state. It's, it's I mean, almost, we've never been here before. It's almost as though, you know, painting the White House in rainbow colors is saying, we spit on what you call life. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, manufacturing dolls that look like women, we spit on the process you call life. 
it's like in your face, God. Yeah, yeah it is. And well, it's because shocking. It's an effort to remove any vestige of the image of God in this world. That is right. where we are at. And so we, as the kingdom, are the image of God in this world, and we have to push back. Uh, that's exactly right. And that's, that's why we can't allow, we can never allow the ideal that it's okay to reach up into the room and destroy life. We can never accept that because when we accept that, we become no different than the very thing that we're fighting against. Mm -hmm. And as you say in the book of John, I love the fact that you've done a whole series on this, 10-week series. Yeah, January. so far I've made it. I made it to John chapter four in yeah. the the recordings. So I mean, I still got a, I got twenty two chapters. It is, so. Before we go, folks, I want to just remind you: Israel TV Network launched last January. And if you're not familiar with it, just go to IsraelTVNetwork.com or dot net. I think, I think it's or dot com. I think they got both. Okay. But check it out. There's a bunch of programs. They're entertaining both Christians. Jews, Jewish programs, check it out. Dina's program's been on there from day one. Yeah. So uh, and we have to... Go ahead, Dina, as well, she closes out. What's really amazing, you know, I mean, there's a lot of I mean, there's a lot of programs on there from a lot of different angles, but I, I've been told my program is consistently in the top three. So that says right something. There. Yeah, yeah, that says something. Good. They offered me a show, but I didn't have the equipment. So uh, maybe some other time down the road, but... Uh, we're out of time, my friend. All right, all right. Well, thanks for being here. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna stay on the on the John thing. Like Dina said, we're real busy. I, I will be. Uh, it's just it's a madhouse right now. But we really really appreciate you folks following us along. We appreciate the likes on our Facebook page, and uh, we just enjoy doing this. And so thank you Amen. all for joining and returning to Eden with Dr. Dina, Diane, Jeff, Morton. We'll see you guys here next week. See you next week. Shalom. Uh, Bye-bye.